Okay, thank you that even in the darkest nights, your word calls us to faith. Even, even when it seems like nothing, God, in our, in our world is, is, is leading us to happiness. You invite us to something deeper. You invite us to joy, God. That, that spiritual reality that, that is not vulnerable to our physical circumstances, that's not vulnerable to, to our emotional state of mind, God. You invite us to experience Emmanuel. You invite us to experience your presence in the midst of the darkness. Now, oh God, thank you for the story of your word. Thank you for, for the myriad saints who've gone before each encountering the same challenges that we encounter today. We think, uh, God, that the economic challenges are, are a new thing. We know that, that everyone from the very first Garden of Eden, God, have struggled with the struggles which, which we face. But God, you have been the constant throughout the, the millennia. God, you have been the constant throughout time. You have been our light in the darkness. So God, as we begin this season together, we do look back, God, to the, those seasons where, where people longed for redemption, where they longed for the Messiah, where they longed for the Christ to come. We remember that, God, and we celebrate with all of our being, that answer to prayer. But Jesus, we know we are also in exactly the same situation that they were. You are coming again. There will be a day, God, when there is no more tear. There will be a day when there is no more sadness. There's no more sin or sorrow or death. That day will come. So God, this Advent season, we just ask you to open our hearts to your presence in our midst. Open our minds, God, to your word. Speak to us, God, in the midst of our situation. Speak to us words of life. God, mostly open our spirits to faith. Grant us that gift to be able to trust that even when we can't see redemption, redemption is here. So we love you, God. We thank you for this great, great privilege of walking these days together. And we just pray that you would meet us in them. We pray that you would meet our every need. God, we're privileged to come together and unite our voices in the prayer which Jesus taught, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.
Bible, would you open the Word of God with me here as we begin this Advent season together? We're going to go back on this Sunday, this, this Sunday where we light the candle of hope. We're going to remember that that 700 years before the time of Christ that that God spoke into our darkness. And uh, so we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, but I'm going to have a larger invitation for you this week to explore those early chapters of, of Isaiah. You know, I always forget, but if there are any other children who would like to join their friends for a special time of worship together, you may um, meet them in the back. They're in the back of the sanctuary, and we will look forward to seeing you. Brenda, would you remind them to come back in time for communion, if you would? Remind the children to come back for communion. Thank you. Thank you. We got it. Well, we are in Isaiah chapter 9. And, uh, oh my goodness, I, have, you, have you discovered this book? I know it's a little intimidating because of the names. I remember trying to read Dostoevsky as a high schooler and all these Russian names. And I just could not wrap my brains around them. And here, so here's this classic of literature, this amazing story, and I can't, I can't access it because my brain is not wired for those names. Don't let the, the Hebrew words cause you to stumble. Um, their experience is our experience. Let me just tell you a little bit of the background about what's been happening as we um, open uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Um, he speaks powerfully of darkness, and predominantly that is not a physical darkness, it's an emotional one. Um, uh, Judah, the, so the ten tribes have split off, they're called Israel, had a couple of nicknames for them, Ephraim, other names. They've split off, and now they're, they're uh, an enemy of the people of God uh, in Judah, and two of the tribes have remained faithful and are in the southern portion of what was once uh, a combined kingdom. And Israel by themselves was not able to overcome Judah, but what happened was Judah has heard that Israel is teaming up with um, with Syria to uh, to do battle against Judah, and, and literally their hearts are melting. They, they struggle to, to fend off Israel by itself, but now, but now Syria is joining and and they're 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 frightened. I don't know if you can tap into that um, that kind of fear, but it would probably be tantamount. I'm just making this up, but tantamount to maybe Russia and China combining and declaring that they're going to come conquer the United States. Two world superpowers coming at you, and so so they were they were living in fear. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in fear, I get tunnel vision. Can you picture that? My, I, uh, all of a sudden, everything it narrows down to a very small a frame of reference, and everything around that is, is darkness and, and fear. And, and God is now speaking through Isaiah into that fear, into that darkness. I'm going to actually back up one verse into um, into Isaiah chapter 8. God has already promised a solution 
but the people did not want to accept that prophecy, and so they began to seek um, uh, mediums, spiritualists, uh, fortune tellers, and hoping to find some some word of comfort in in those mediums and and Isaiah is having none of it. He says in verse 20, to the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it's because they have no dawn, they have no light. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will become enraged and speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. They will look to the earth But behold, distress and darkness, gloom and anguish, they will be thrust into thick darkness. On that note, have a wonderful Advent and Christmas, okay? Oh my goodness, imagine if the story ended there. And I'm struck for a second because I'm, I'm guessing that for some of us, that's where we are. It, it looks that dark. Hear the word of the Lord, would you? From Isaiah chapter 9. But, remember the but gods, right? But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, God brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the far north uh, reaches of Israel, and the land of Naphtali, right? But... In the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the the path that leads to northern Israel, the land beyond the Jordan, guess what? Galilee of the nations. Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in In a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Oh God, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. Why? For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder. The rod of his oppressor, all the instruments of oppression you, God, have broken, even as on the day of Midian, that glorious day when Gideon, with 300 men, overcame the mighty armies of the enemy. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and the increase of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. How in the world is this going to happen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The very word of God. 
Now, thank you, God. Thank you for your word. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, God, would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, wow. Um, It's interesting. Um, I'm so accustomed and comfortable with seasons. Are are you not... um, I came from Southern California. I spent a lot of my youth in Southern California. And and I was about to say there's only one season in Southern California, but but I wasn't counting orange cone season. And so there's two seasons in California, um, beautiful season and orange cone season when you can't get from here to there. And so, Dave, I, I was remembering the other day when we were driving one time um, toward Evansville and... And you did, I, my recollection is this day that you, you did this deep breath and said, ah, cornfields. And I'm looking at you and going, what in the world are you thinking? Um, and here I am 28 years later going, cornfields, right? Blue sky. Not the drizzle, that wimp rain of Seattle, but but the hearty three-inchers, you know? Um, And the seasons, the glorious seasons. I have to confess that fall is not my favorite season because of leaves. Uh, And I have one more round of wrestling with the leaves, and then I'll be able to um, move into the next season of winter. But just like our world has seasons, each of them beautiful, even winter in its starkness, still beautiful, right? So the, the church calendar has seasons, and Advent is one of those seasons. Well, what kind of season is it? It's, it's a season of, of, of preparation, right? It's a season. Uh, we were watching one of those um, nature uh, documentaries, and and as fall came, all the animals started preparing, right, for the winter. They started the nests, getting their nests going, accumulating food. Advent is really um, a, a spiritual season of nourishment, of, of gaining nourishment for our spiritual lives. Why? Because, let's face it, um, Christmas is a really busy time, isn't it? Um, and I can pretty much guarantee you that you will get too busy this Christmas season. I always book myself right up into to what I think is my capacity, and then um, God throws a couple of extra things in there, and, and I realize um, I'm too busy. Advent is a season to prepare, to nourish your spiritual lives, to say, no, for a moment to busyness, right? You will get too busy in Advent. You will run too fast in Advent. You will spend too much. You will eat too much. Amen? Got a good head start on that already. You will you'll have some expectations that won't be met, right? And and you will experience disappointment. You experience disillusionment many times. And all these things. 
pay or have a cost on us, right? Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We, we end up being depleted. So enter Advent. The goal of Advent is to fix your eyes on the promises of God, right? To look forward to the fulfillment of His promises. So that brings us on this first Sunday of Advent, uh, the, the Sunday of hope. It brings us to, to Isaiah chapter 9. In your mind, I know there's a lot of, uh, of teachings out there about two Isaiahs, three Isaiahs, four Isaiahs. Um, I just want to charge you to come to the Word of God. Realize that this guy was writing over about a 55 or 60 year period. And so he went through different seasons. Isaiah went through different seasons. If you could roughly kind of divide um, Isaiah. Many people have divided it several ways, but you could roughly di- divide it between chapters 1 through 39, which are about the judgment of the nations and, and sprinkled with hope. And then chapters 40 through 66, where, where, where it's, um, it's about comfort sprinkled with with reminders of judgment, right? And and what in Isaiah nine, where is that is that judgment coming? It's it's coming on the northern tribes. It's coming on the ten tribes. It's coming on Galilee. So so we have seen, if you've been watching The Chosen, you see constantly references to can anything good come out of out of uh, Nazareth? Uh, Galilee was utterly destroyed, right? It was utterly destroyed. God's judgment was poured out on those ten tribes. But note this, that two-thirds of Jesus' ministry occurred in Galilee, right? Why did Jesus do his ministry there? Secular people would say, well, he was afraid of being in Jerusalem. Not at all. Not at all. But the message of the gospel is that where judgment has been poured out, so will grace be poured out all the more, right? All the more. So John describes Jesus as that light that is shining in the midst of the darkness. It's as if he's saying, it's dark now and, and even greater darkness will come. But one day light will shine in Galilee, right? One day, one day, um, this will no longer be a place of poverty, but a, a place of abundant blessing. One day it will be destroyed, but, but, but then the light will come. So Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, is prophesying prophesying in the the present tense about something that will not happen this is this is probably roughly uh, seven centuries before Christ right Isaiah is prophesying about things that won't happen for 10 lifespan and to a certain extent some of the things he prophesied still have not come true they'll be fulfilled when Christ comes again but, but Isaiah is saying, the thing that is going to sustain you in the midst of the darkness is, is going to be hope. It's going to be hope. So, so I want to I just take a few moments and say, even from these 
these few verses, such a small portion of a much larger story going on in Isaiah, is there a way that this Advent we can find spiritual nourishment here? I want to suggest there's a couple of them. Uh, first of all, first of all, let's just think about uh, the past and the present and the future. I want to I want to encourage you. Isaiah 9 encourages us to keep the big picture in mind. Keep the big picture in mind. What you see is not the sum total of everything that God is and and will be. Look forward, Isaiah says, to the future. Not just to the past or or to the present, right? Don't don't look to the circumstances around you, but look forward to the future. I always love that that verse in, in Proverbs 31 describing this amazing godly woman. And it said strength and, and dignity are her clothing, right? Like she puts them on in the morning, right? And she, one translation says she smiles. Um, ESV says she laughs at the time to come, right? She does not live in fear. Oh, did you notice? From the tail end of Isaiah 8 and and Isaiah 9, did you notice that there's not really anything that that promises relief from their circumstances? Uh, uh, Isaiah, the whole thing about the child coming, it was fulfilled in Isaiah's time and looks forward to the time when it won't just be for one group of people, but will be for all of us. But the whole thing about that was before the child is old enough to eat real food, the things that you are afraid will be overcome. They'll be gone. Syria and Israel will be overcome, right? Now, that's good news and bad news. The good news is that the, the biggest threats to them right this moment will be gone. The bad news was that they'll be gone because an even greater threat is coming. And that is Assyria. Sorry for the similarity of the two words. Syria, think Damascus. Assyria, think Iran. Um, Assyria is going to come down and destroy both of the things that you fear. In fact, he, he prophesies that they will come right up to the neck of Jerusalem, Right? And we know that that happened. It's recorded for us. They surrounded Jerusalem. Assyria surrounded Jerusalem and God delivered them. So so recognize that that when we're talking about looking to the future, we're not talking about necessarily next month. Um, some of these things will not be fulfilled till Christ comes again. I almost said, and I hope that is soon, um, but I know that that will be a very dark day for people who do not know Jesus. And so... So it's hard for me to say, amen, come Lord Jesus, right? When I know that there are those who do not yet know him. Well, will wars still rage? Yes, they will. Will governments still abuse people? Yes, they will. Will we still long for peace? Yes, they will. We will. So it happens so much more than what happened 2,000 years again ago. Advent is, is so much more than the present holiday rush, right? And struggle to get our families together and make everything just right. Advent's also about the future. It's about the remembering the second coming of the conquering king. Not now as a, a, a small child in a manger, but, but as a warrior coming with, with the glory of God to, 
to bring his kingdom down. Why does this matter? How, how does this help us here in 2021, the fear of Omicron with all the tumult that's going around us? How does this help us? So I think that it sets the proper expectation, right? It, it reorients us who, who live in this Western culture to what Christmas is really about. You see, the subtle lie of Western Christianity is that you have to have this perfect Christmas, right? Picture Hallmark, right? I understand that Hallmark came out with like 40 more Christmas movies. My life is ruined, right? The subtle lie is that you have to have a perfect Christmas, but, but the reality of Scripture is there will come a time when life will be right, when all will be made well. The perfect Christmas is not likely to happen this year, right? If you put your hope in this season, this present circumstances, yeah, you're going to be disillusioned. You're going to be disappointed. Ever had post-Christmas letdown? Oh my goodness, right? Two days of plastered on the couch, right? Not being able to move your body. It's hard. And I'm kind of teasing about post-Christmas, but but there's been a lot of other expectations that were not met, right? So our eyes cannot be on these present circumstances. God, through Isaiah, is directing our eyes forward, right? Our eyes are not just even on the birth of Christ. As wonderful as that is, our eyes are on everything that has come since. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and everything that is still to come His glorious return. So hope always faces forward. It faces forward. Right? So fess up. Fess up. Have you watched your first Christmas movie yet? Okay. On Thanksgiving, you know, the turkey is not even cold. and, and, And we're watching Home Alone 1. Right? Everyone has their own Christmas movies. Some people, it's... um, I can't remember fast enough Bruce Willis's series, right? But but uh, everyone has their own. Um, what is it about watching Home Alone one, right? Um, for me, uh, twenty or thirty years later, after first seeing it, right, ever it it kicks in a little nostalgia button, right? It pushes that little button, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I remember a time. When? If I could just go back to that feeling that I had, or really didn't have, but remember having, right? If I could just recreate that artificial world, then I'll feel better about now. I'll feel better about what is actually true. But we can't just look backwards. Gratitude is so different from nostalgia, right? We're not seeking the feeling we had then. We're looking, we're looking at our past circumstances, our present circumstances, and saying, God, I declare that you were Lord over those times, and you will be Lord over this. Keep the big picture in mind. And secondly, I want to just remind you of something that you were so good at, congregation. If you're visiting with us, I just, I so long for you to know this congregation, because they have such generous but this season, especially, 
Make generosity rule stronger in your heart than consumerism. Now you think, where in the heck was that in Isaiah, right? Um, um, bear with me just for a second. Make generosity a stronger thing than consumerism. I don't know about you. Uh, Karen periodically will ask me, what would you like for Christmas? And it's hard for me to say that. And I'm ashamed to say this. But part of the reason it's hard for me to say that is because if I want something, I go get it, right? I buy it. Uh, I, I go out there. Um, and, and so I would not be one that, that would say I'm overly consumeristic. But if some little green man was looking in my window, you know, uh, and just looked at my life, he'd say, great, Scott, Dave, it's, it's the water with, in which you swim, right? Consumerism is, we've got to break that, beloved. And it's not just in causing consumerism in others. It's not every year we say we're going to go light on our kids and our grandkids this year, right? And then every year around that tree, there's like piled up. There's a little tuft of green right at the top of this pile, right? And we realize that we got suckered into it again. We got suckered into it again. So, so God is a God who gives, amen? For, for to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. God, who is the great giver, the generous one, gave to us his only begotten son. The invitation this holiday season is, is to be generous, right? To be generous and I, I can't go into it in my notes here. I've got all kinds of ways that you've been so generous. I got to take this whole box of underwear. You've not lived till you got to take a whole box of underwear to a school nurse. You never saw a face light up like a school nurse who has to deal with trauma uh, 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 all the time and to see a whole box of underwear. Oh, you guys, so many ways, so many ways that you have engaged. Um, don't don't get suckered into consumerism. Let's let's make generosity. Let's make generosity the tool that rips that idol of consumerism from our hearts. Right. Mm. Remember that a truly generous heart always begins with God's generosity to us. The more we understand the gift of the Christ child the more we'll be able to be like him and be generous with those around us. What if, what if we said, we're going to intentionally live sacrificially so that others might see the generous heart of God? What if we said, for the good of my own soul, for the sake of God's glory around the world, I'm I'm going to give to the point of sacrifice. Um, maybe, just maybe, someone else would see the heart of God as well. Thirdly, expect God to show up in unexpected ways. We all, we're so used to this, we don't see the, the marvel in the story that they expected 
Jesus to come in glory. How did he come? He showed up as a baby, as a helpless baby. I can see my grandson back there in the back row. There's not much Leo can do right now, right? Except just sit there and exude cuteness. But but there's not much that he can do, right? He's totally helpless, right? Uh, but God chose a... To- Does anybody else feel totally helpless sometimes? Right? Am I the only one? Hey, isn't that beautiful? That God chose to come into our world as someone who's totally helpless. He has experienced everything that we experience. So don't be surprised if God if God meets you in unexpected ways. Alice, you never could have anticipated this Christmas, could you? Sometimes it's an unexpected grief, right? Many of us are walking around this Christmas with a with a certain heaviness, right? Life didn't come out like we expected and we lost someone that's very, very dear to us. And it's it it's Change the tenor of this holy day season, right? You're just trying to get through it. I get that. That's that's okay. But don't be surprised if God shows up in wonder and beauty, even in the midst of your heaviness, even in the midst of your grace. Can you can you make your your grief? Can you make space for that? Can can you can you leave a little opening in your heart to say, God, uh, I, I'm going to believe that you're going to. You're going to make something beautiful even out of the darkness and the heaviness I'm experiencing right now. Let God surprise you. Even in the midst of your unexpected grief. Um, even in the midst of unexpected messiness. I think about um, Jordan and Chelsea and, and, and moving right now, right? Uh, right now. Um, uh, um, they're covered in boxes. They're covered in all these other kinds of things. And it's right at the Advent season. It's the time when we, we would want to be focusing on Jesus. We have a saying um, in our office that life is messy. It is messy, right? And and sometimes we're so darn busy trying to make everything perfect that we've forgotten that Christmas was really messy. I mean messy. We have cleaned it all up and it looks beautiful and everything, but it is messy, Right? Expect God to show up in the midst of the messiness. Because I'm pretty confident that there's going to be moments when when everything falls apart this Christmas season. Come on up, worship team, if you would. When everything falls apart this Christmas season, and you're going to have to rely on Christ as your peace. But I want to I want to encourage you to expect God to show up with unexpected joy right with unexpected joy i've been quarantined so many times with some of you more than me but uh, i think it's been four times that i've been quarantined at one level or another and and i ended up being quarantined on on thanksgiving and couldn't couldn't um share in the family meal i couldn't hold uh, uh little leo or little elliot in my arms and so while we were moving in i had a couple minutes where i could just go off in another room and just hold this little baby in my arms, right? Uh, um, uh, don't make room in your heart. Don't be surprised when God shows up in the midst of your advent, in the midst of your expectation, even in the midst of your darkness and heaviness, that he shows up with unexpected joy. So 
How do we engage this? How do we, how do we experience this? I want to invite you this Advent season, this kind of off the books now, I want to invite you to make it personal, to make it personal, to make Jesus personal, right? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, right? He speaks to the nation of Israel, but he also speaks to us individually. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. God with us, Isaiah 7, right? Again, our verse from today, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Remember that the good news of the Christ is very personal for you, Fill your name in. Find yourself in this story, right? And one way to do that is is to think about these names of Jesus. Wonderful counselor, right? Not therapist. We're talking about a wise strategist who won't just listen to you, but who will give you help in your time of need, right? Who who speaks into your life. Mighty God, exactly what it says. He's large and in charge. He is deity and he's in control. And some of us need to claim that. We need to make mighty God personal because it doesn't feel like there's any control in our life anymore, right? For some of us, it feels like our lives are spinning out of control. So let go of the instinct to try and control your circumstances and open your hands in dependence on the mighty Father who is ultimately in control. Amen. Eternal Father. Oh my goodness. I know all your experiences were not necessarily good. Even those of us who are fathers judging ourselves for all of our shortcomings, right? Jesus came so that we might experience God's fatherly love for us. No matter what your earthly experience, God is your eternal Father. And He is gentle and kind and full of good intentions for your life. How do I know that? Without breaking into song because he's a good, good father, right? Prince of peace. Prince, literally, of wholeness. Are you feeling a little fractured right now? Anybody need a little wholeness right now, right? Jesus is the prince of wholeness. He's the prince of peace. So let me ask you, what do you need of Jesus this Advent, right? What do you need? Sounds like I'm feeding your consumerism, right? Sounds like I'm feeding your own selfish interests. But if you never come to that point where it becomes real to you, then you're going to miss the unexpected joy of the Advent season. What aspect of Jesus do you need? Is it one of these four things? Cry out for it, right? Let me also ask you, what is Jesus asking of you this holy season? I know that that it's tempting when the darkness is looming. It's tempting to, to withdraw and to disengage. 
right at the beginning of this glorious season, even though there's just one light shining right right now, right in the midst of this glorious season, let's invite His light into our darkness. Let's do that together, shall we?